This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. This is Vancouver Consumer. And in a moment, we'll be checking in with John Carlson of 2% Realty to talk real estate and the new numbers that show Greater Vancouver is still red hot in the real estate department despite the pandemic. That's coming up. But first, some of the consumer news headlines from the past week. A tiny bit of good news for renters in a city where renters could use some good news. The overall vacancy rate for apartments in Metro Vancouver has increased by one and a half percent seems small but that's the highest increase year to year since 1999 canada mortgage and housing corporation released its annual rental market report this past week saying that our vacancy rate overall is now at 2.6 percent downtown apartments saw the highest increases in vacancies while the vacancy rate in suburban areas with lower rents actually decreased places like abbotsford and mission Despite it being a little easier to find an apartment, you still have to pay for the apartment. And CMHC says there are still lots of challenges when it comes to affordability. They say a household earning $47,000 or less per year could afford less than a quarter of the places that are available to rent on the market. Though it's worth pointing out in this report, affordable is considered a person or household spending no more than 30% of their income on housing. And in Vancouver, uh, good luck with that. Uh, Speaking this past week, John Horgan said fines won't be changing, though the province is looking at ways to deal with people who don't seem to care about a financial penalty when it comes to COVID. Horgan says the example of the condo owner in Vancouver who held a party there that he called a makeshift nightclub. He also brought up the police officer whose leg was broken after a confrontation with a man who refused to wear a mask. Horgan would only say that the full force of the law will come down on the rule breakers, especially those who are violent. He also added that B.C. won't be implementing a mandatory quarantine period for people coming to B.C. from other provinces, such as the one Manitoba is enforcing. And somewhere out there, there's a millionaire who doesn't know it. And if he or she doesn't figure it out by midnight of March 18th, they'll be out of luck. Someone bought a winning lottery ticket somewhere in northern Vancouver Island last spring, but they haven't claimed it. BCLC is encouraging players who purchased a ticket for March 18th, 2020 for that draw in that area to check their tickets for the winning numbers. All lottery prize winners have 52 weeks from the draw date printed on their ticket to come forward. And in 2020, BCLC paid out more than $691 million in lottery prizes. And that million could be a down payment on your own marina, but you'd still have some hefty payments. For a cool $25 million U.S., you could own the Point Roberts Marina. It actually might be a good deal. That's less than what it went for nearly six years ago when it was bought by Chinese investors. They paid $27 million and then put in $4 million worth of upgrades. The pandemic has hit the 43-year-old marina hard. Uh, around 600 Canadian boats left the marina and came back to this country because the border is closed, obviously, for non-essential travel. Um, the marina and the land surrounding it is 152 acres. There's 900 spots 
for moorage, a fuel barge, and a marine shop. 62 acres of the land is set for future development. Uh, $25 million, and it's all yours. This is Vancouver Consumer on CKNW, and coming up, we're going to talk real estate. The numbers are still good despite the pandemic, and guiding us through the opportunities out there in the 2021 world of real estate in this very interesting market will be John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and it's time to talk real estate. And, uh, you know, it's old hat now. Real estate is red hot in the lower mainland. And who better to talk to than our old friend, John Carlson uh, from 2% Realty, Johnny Smartpoint. Dot com is the place to go. Uh, good afternoon, John. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great, Martin. Thanks for having me back on the show. Yeah, and uh, I, I was doing a little research uh, earlier today, just looking at some of the numbers. And uh, I won't throw a lot of numbers out, and I'm sure you hear them all the time. But one that stuck out is uh, the month of January of 2021, up until January 15th, uh, total transactions, total homes being sold was 67% ahead of the same time last year. Uh, that, that's quite impressive. Are you surprised by that? Not really. Uh, you know, we, we have a lot of sort of leftover demand from last fall. If you remember, obviously, we remember uh, the spring market last year and COVID hit and there was a lot of uncertainty. The numbers dropped. But as we've talked about many times on this program, the demand for real estate in Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley doesn't really go away. You can defer it. You can put it off for a time. Uh, But the market came roaring back uh, in the fall. And that created a situation where the inventory levels, you know, are having trouble keeping up in in some segments. So as a result, we saw, I think, a record-setting December of last year. And just anecdotally, knowing a number of clients and potential clients that I had talked to who had expressed interest in getting into the market, but had kind of, uh, uh, you know, stepped back because there was some uncertainty there and there were some challenges in a hot moving market. Uh, you know, I'm not surprised at all that come January, there are people ready to get back in. And I think we were also blessed with some really good weather so far this month, and, and that doesn't hurt. So we've got buyers with, you know, record low interest rate, five-year mortgages who are looking to maybe get into the market they're excited to some degree, a lot of them, because, you know, they're reading and on the Internet and listening to statistics and, and predictions. And, and a lot of these things are telling them that the market prices are likely going to go up this spring. So, you know, again, I'm not surprised. We're, we're at the end of January now and the January numbers will be coming out uh, in early February. And we can talk about in the, the next program when I'm on in a couple of weeks. But it would appear that, again, January will probably set records in terms of the number of sales, and I dare say that the numbers would be even stronger if there was more inventory for buyers to look at. Right, and that's that's the trick there. Uh, we're talking to John Carlson uh, from johnnysmartpoint.com is his website, and uh, clearly it's a seller's market, and so there's never really been a more important time to have someone who is helping you with the strategies for dealing with a, with a market that is red hot, both for buyers and sellers. So let's talk about the strategies that you have. If somebody gives you a call at 604-612-0080, 
or goes to johnnysmartpoint.com and says, I've got a piece of property that I want to sell in this red hot market. Um, there are strategies for that and probably uh, even more tricky people who want to buy a piece of property because uh, they're just being snapped up. And as you say, inventory is low. So let's talk about the strategies that you provide people when they're trying to sell or buy a piece of property. Yeah, thanks, Martin. I think that's a really good topic right now. Again, with people wanting to, to go forward, being a little bit nervous and uncertain how to go forward or when to go forward. Uh, strategies is just a perfect topic right now. And I want to be clear to the listeners that I'm, I'm not advocating any particular strategy or uh, to, to any particular person out there. I don't represent, by and large, the, listings, uh, the listeners out there. Um, but I just want to have a general discussion and throw some ideas out there to get people thinking a little bit. Uh, and, and, of course, every strategy will have its own risks and these are things I would talk talk to with my clients or potential clients on an individual basis. But uh, the number one thing I think uh, you need out there right now is a strategy. And, and one of the things that comes to mind is when I have a listing, um, you know, I may get a call from someone I don't know and they'll say, hey, you know, I see this new listing on this street. And boy, it looks exactly like what we're looking for. We've been keeping our eyes open for something like this for months and, uh, and I'll ask the, the, the questions. I mean, do you have an agent? Well, no, we, we don't have an agent. And, um, you know, but can we see it? And, and, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, we set offers for three days from now, a time to review offers. And these people are just not prepared and they've got virtually no chance if, if you know, there's a multiple offer situation on a property. Sometimes they haven't sold yet or, you know, who knows where their financing approval process is at and they haven't really thought it through. And, in a more relaxed market, maybe in a market where inventory sits for a month or two and, and buyers have a lot of choices, well, you know, then you maybe have time to look around and, hey, I see something I like, and maybe we'll do a subject to sale offer, and then we'll list our property, and, you know, good news is we'll get sold and everything will go great. But in a higher pressure market like we're in, and, and unfortunately it is, you know, it's a great market for sellers, but if you're buying a property or if you're coordinating a purchase and a sale, there's some things you really want to think about um, to make sure that if you are serious, that you're prepared. Because keep in mind, there are other buyers out there right now. And, and again, I've said this before, real estate is a supply and demand business. So uh, knowing you know, what's going on is and having a proper strategy, and, and I would suggest also having a professional that can help advise you to, you know, to implement that strategy is probably the biggest piece of information that I think our listeners need right now. So yeah, great topic. Let's talk about strategies. Yeah. So the, I guess the first thing, if you're looking to buy a home is make sure you have an agent. <laughs> I guess that's the first thing. And I guess, like you say, some people call you up and they, and they're looking at something, a listing that you're selling and they don't have a, an agent yet. Yeah. And, and, and just as a side note to that, for any listeners who are maybe, um, you know, I got a call from uh, someone I've known for quite a while, just this last week, and I didn't know that they were back into the, the market, you know, looking. They they had called a couple agents to see some properties. And those agents said to them, you know, well, who's your realtor? And they give they give my name. Um, but, you know, if if they're not prepared and they don't have any, any uh, if you don't have an agent to at least call the listing agent and set something up, a lot of, a lot of listing agents, including myself, are hesitant to just open up the door for, anybody they don't know to come and take a look at a listing. Because if you think about it, it was only a month ago that people were spending Christmas alone, in some cases, away from their families because of this lockdown. 
And, you know, we as professionals, we're an essential service. We can continue to work, but we have a duty. You know, if I represent a seller, some of them may be older or have poor health or whatever, or just concerns about COVID, we have, you know, an obligation to protect those people. So if someone randomly calls me and says, hey, I don't have a realtor. I want to see your listing tonight at 6 p.m. Well, I'm not really in a position to know if they're qualified. I'm not really in a position to know, uh, you know, if they've traveled or, you know, if they've been exposed to any virus and that sort of thing. So as a result, I'm not just talking about myself, but just listeners out there, if you're calling listings, listing agents to see properties, but you don't have your own agent, um, you know, you might get the the quiz. I mean, you might get the 20 questions type quiz and you might get the recommendation. Hey, you know, if you have an agent, have them call me because we do have a duty to make sure that people that come into our listings are qualified and healthy and all, and all that sort of thing. So, you know, that's usually a good first step anyways. Yeah. So, and, and a, a really good first step call uh, John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com is the website. You can call 604-612-0080. And I guess in this kind of market, if you're looking to buy a place when things are just flying off the shelves, as they say, um, you pretty much have to have your financing all kind of in order in in advance, right? Yeah, let's talk about that, actually. I I would say the first thing that would be important is to know, know your goals clearly. Uh, some people are upsizing. In other words, they're going from a maybe a condo or a townhouse to a detached house. They're going from a lesser priced property to a higher priced property. Others are downsizing, the opposite. Um, so it's kind of interesting to know, gee, do you sell first? Do you buy first? It might depend on the segments that you're buying in. Are they increasing in value? Or are they decreasing in value? Other people are just cashing out saying, hey, I want to maximize this sale and I'm going to go to Vancouver Island or to the interior. So just first of all, seems very simple. But make sure you clearly understand what your goals are, because that's the foundation and that will help you kind of determine the other steps that you take. Now, the the next step, I think, is definitely this one's a big one. And this is where a professional can help is know the environment, the landscape that you're working in, the market that you're working in, both as a buyer and a seller. Uh, For instance, there are no bad markets right now, but some of them are definitely hotter than others. And just as an example, um, if you are, say, selling a condo, and uh, looking to buy a house with a secondary suite uh, that's in, let's call it the affordable price range. That'll depend on what market you're in. You might find that, you know, you can sell your condo relatively quick, but the homes in your price range with basement suites, you know, you might find that the last five or six sales recently in that segment have received multiple offers, four, five, six, seven offers each. Well, that likely means that uh, if you sell your condo first and then set some time to go look to purchase, you know, you better have a a bit of time. Um, It also might mean, and again, we'll talk about strategies that maybe depending on your financial position and the tools that you have, uh, you might purchase first and then sell. So just know the environment. Um, Some markets are rising. Most of them are. Some of them are very limited in terms of supply and the demand is strong where others are a little bit more relaxed. So, you know, know your goals first, know your environment. And then third, I would say, know what your options are. Know what weapons you have. What tools do you have in, in the toolbox? Um, and the first thing I would say about that is check your financing. Some people, you know, it might make more sense for uh, a person to purchase a home before they sell. And again, there are risks to these things. So we'll, we'll talk about that. And by that, I mean, maybe you go out and you find a home. 
that you want to buy and you write an offer on it, but it's not subject to sale, maybe you've talked to your mortgage broker and your mortgage broker says, hey, here's a tool you got in your toolbox. You've got a great equity position. You've got good credit. Given the numbers and we've reviewed them all, you are able to buy first. And then you know what? If you don't sell for a month after that or if there's a little two or even two or three months, we'll still cover you. So you'll be able to purchase today and then worry about your sale because we've got a safety net in there. We've got a financing uh, uh, option for you that allow you to do that. Now, if that's an option, that's a great option to have, by the way. Not everybody has uh, the luxury of that. But if you have that option available to you, it's kind of like a, I call it like a, like a circus safety net almost. It doesn't mean you have to use it. But if you're walking a tightrope from a sale to a purchase, it's you know, you're going to need, if you go this route, that safety net. So uh, I would suggest sometimes you can arrange to have a, uh, if you purchase first, set the dates far into the future. Give yourself a lot of time to sell. And, you know, chances are you won't need that financing option. So again, know what tools are there. And even if you don't have the ability to outright finance a purchase, regardless of whether you sell, <clears throat> excuse me, you may have the option uh, at least to, you know, have a bridge loan and coordinate dates. So maybe you purchase first and you decide to sell after and it turns out, boy, you can't make the dates match. There's a week or two or a period of time there. But as long as you have a firm sale and a firm purchase, a good mortgage broker can sometimes arrange for that to be covered. So know, you know, what are you packing in terms of tools and weapons that'll help you compete? Because oftentimes when you're a buyer in these segments, you do have to compete. And that, that makes coordinating a sale and a purchase a little trickier. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. A, a lot of pitfalls, both for, for sellers and buyers. Uh, we're talking to John Carlson. And when we come back, um, let's talk a little bit about multiple offers and the best way to deal with them. And also, um, for people who are selling a home now, I guess it's never been a better time. Let's talk about how people can, can especially people who are selling to move out of the province or, or into the interior or something. It's great. Uh, but uh, we'll talk more with John Carlson. Uh, johnnysmartpoint.com is the website to go. 604-612-0080. And you can always uh, give John uh, an email. John at johnnysmartpoint.com and he can answer your questions. And he can also answer your question if it's an interesting question. He can answer it right here on CKNW. And uh, we'll talk more with John when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong, and we are talking real estate with John Carlson from 2% Realty. You can get a hold of John at johnnysmartpoint.com. That's his website. Uh, you can also give him a call, 604-612-0080, or write him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com. We've been talking about this red-hot market, clearly a seller's market, um, I, I'm looking at some of the prices. The prices are up 8.8% uh, by the end of 2020 from, from the previous year. So it's clearly a seller's market. Um, and, and that brings with it a lot of challenges. And one of those challenges is a lack of inventory. Um, it's one thing to be able to sell your house really easily, but you've got to be able to find a home that you can move into to replace it, um, unless you want to live under a bridge. And uh, so, John, now has never been a better time to call you uh, because you are looking for for inventory because you have a lot of sellers and you, and you know kind of where the hot spots are you know uh, you know well, well clearly you know how to sell a home 
Yeah, and thanks for mentioning it. Like like a lot of other real estate agents out there, I, I would love to have more listings. Um, in fact, even if you don't list with me, please list with someone because uh, if you have a property that's uh, desirable out there, the more inventory in the market will help this market carry on because that can be the limiting the limiting factor, uh, absolutely for sure. So anybody who is thinking of selling and maybe wants to talk to me, you know, I'm, I'm wide open and, and available uh, for that. So as you mentioned, you know, coordinating that sale and that purchase, that's kind of the tough thing. We, we talked about some financing options earlier in the program. But let's face it, most uh, homeowners don't have the equity or the option to just have the bank say, go ahead and write a check on a purchase and sell whenever you want. Most will need to, um, before they can commit to a purchase, at least have a firm sale on their current home. So if you're one of those people who are looking to sell and buy, I'm sure you've been looking and saying, hey, good news, we can sell for more than we thought. Our neighbor just sold and they got more than you know, more than the previous neighbor. And uh, you're probably right. If you're in a good town home or a detached home in a good area, you can sell quick. And uh, of course, we want to talk about strategies there too, because you don't just want to sell quick, you want to maximize it. And, and pricing is important, even in a red hot market. Um, but here's another option that people might want to consider. And I'm happy to talk to people individually about this. Um, one of the ways to go is to let's say you're in a townhouse in an area where they're selling pretty quick and again i'll use the detached housing example because that tends to be a pretty hot segment right now in almost all areas um, and you want to buy a house especially with a suite those ones are in big demand one way to go and i've, I've done this with a couple of clients recently is sometimes you, you put your house on the market your, your your place that you have now and uh you know chances are maybe the strategy is to set a time for offers and hopefully you can get multiple offers because that's when buyers are the most motivated to be flexible and try to find uh, a situation where you have a flexible buyer when it comes to dates so just to give an example um i had a, a house in coquitlam recently and uh, these people were um you know a couple getting married and they wanted to buy a bigger house for the extended family and uh you know, we found, of course, that we weren't going to compete as a buyer until we were fully prepared. So we listed the current home on the market and we did get multiple offers and we found a buyer who was flexible. And by that, I mean this. Uh, we arranged a three month completion date, which gives you a little bit of time. But hey, even three months is not a ton of time if you're, you know, if you really have to look. But we also negotiated in the contract that the seller, my client, would have the exclusive right to extend the completion date as long as we gave up to 30 days notice another month and then we wrote it again that we could extend it even a second month if my client the seller was still not prepared so that gave us a five month window of time potentially and uh, that only works of course if you can find a buyer who is prepared to be flexible but in this market a lot of buyers are they might have a family to stay with they might be renting and they have the flexibility to give you know 30 days notice to their landlord so um, if like most people you don't have uh, the uh, the bank just ready to cut a check for you uh, no matter what you do that's probably one of the good options right now uh, and especially if you think about it if you're going from a smaller property to a higher price property you know you want to keep dates pretty tight you don't want to have a sale too close to a or too far away from a purchase but on the other hand you need that that flexibility so listing a property getting maximum dollar for it and also the flexibility to give you time to go out as a buyer and be confident with a firm sale 
you know, that's, that's a great strategy for some people. But as I mentioned, there are risks to everything. Once you have a firm sale on your home, doesn't matter if you have three months, four months, five months, you still kind of have that proverbial gun to your head and you got to find a place. So again, part of the process, not the whole story. You also have to be pretty prepared to understand what you're getting into on the purchase side. Um, but you know, I would say again, there's, there's another strategy people might uh, consider. Yeah, that's an interesting sort of it. And it could be a win-win, I would think, because for somebody, say they're renting, for example, and there are multiple offers and the only way they can, one way that they can compete, one thing that they have besides, you know, throwing another 25000 onto the price, they can say, uh, well, I'm renting now and I can continue rent to rent for quite a few more months. So I, I love that. And, and, and to me, that seems like an, a perfect example of why you need a very experienced real estate professional on your side. And uh, that would be John Carlson. Uh, johnnysmartpoint.com is the website, 604-612-0080. And we've been talking a lot about multiple offers. And um, it, it sort of strikes fear into the hearts of people trying to buy something because you just think it's just going to be out of reach. So what are some other uh, strategies when, when you kind of can expect multiple offers? What, what, how can you best prepare for that when you're, when you're trying to buy a property? Uh, from a buyer's point of view, well, a, a lot of buyers are finding themselves in multiple offers um, these days. And let's face it, nobody likes to be in a multiple offer situation if they're on the buying side of things where as a seller it's it's wonderful so you know it's it's sometimes disappointing to for a buyer to uh, see a property they've got everything ready together their financing's ready to go and they've got inspectors lined up and you know they've they've done all their due diligence through their agent reviewing title searches and disclosures and all those sorts of things and they write an offer and then within a short period of time, you know, you get the call, oh, thanks for your offer. There'll be seven offers presented tomorrow night. Well, that's a little bit discouraging. And there's nothing you can really do about that, you know, from a buyer's point of view, other than be prepared uh, and be confident and, you know, be ready to, uh, you know, I tell my, my clients, oftentimes they ask me, you know, what do you think this one will sell for? We, we've got three or four or five offers coming tomorrow. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the buyer's agent and they say, you know, what should we offer in terms of price? And I'm always very careful with that because I think agents have to acknowledge that we don't set prices. We don't decide anything about what the market's going to do price-wise. But a good agent, I think, should know the market well enough and should help the buyer know the market well enough to at least come up with some solid, you know, ideas. And pricing is important. Um, so if it's a multiple offer, chances are, I mean, pretty certain that you're likely going to have to go over list price, although that's not necessarily a guarantee. Um, so how far do you go? And I, I, I tell my, my clients oftentimes, look, how much do you like the property based on, and again, here's where being prepared and, and having some experiences is really key based on what we've done so far and what we've seen, you know, do how good a deal do you think this property is? And then I tell them, you know, whatever price we decide to write, Let's try to avoid two scenarios. One would be that you win the bid, you wake up the next morning, you say, oh my gosh, what did I do? I was crazy, I went nuts, I wish I'd never done that. We want to avoid a situation where a buyer thinks they overpaid or feels bad about it. But on the other hand, you know, I've seen it where people say, gee, you know, we missed out just by a bit. I wish we would have gone a little bit more, we like it. So when you're in a multiple offer situation as a buyer, sometimes you don't get a chance to increase your bid. Uh, it's up to the seller how they deal with these multiple offers. And so I like to let my people, my clients know that, you know, let's go in with 
let's not leave a whole bunch of room, you know, and, you know, in terms of pricing on the table, let's go in with what we think we need to be at. And, you know, if the opportunity comes to, to increase that bid, you can decide it then yes or no. But, you know, whatever we offer, let's make sure that when we get up in the morning tomorrow, everybody's happy and we, we know we've, we've done our best. So being prepared and being confident and knowing as much as you can about, uh, you know, your segment is going to help because here's just another tidbit. If you're buying a, a certain property and everything has gone into multiple offers, I often call all the agents that have sold or had listings recently in the development or in, in the development or in the area. And uh, if I find out that there was three offers on one, four offers on another, five on another and six on the last one, well, we know there's probably at least five potential buyers that we might be up against. So again, you got to decide, are you going to jump in the market or not? But if you do, be prepared, try to get the best representation you can. And here, this is key. When you do write your offer, and you touched on this just a minute ago, and I thought it was just fantastic, know what kind of strengths or what kind of uh, weapons or what kind of uh, you know good things you might be able to bring to the, to the seller. And keep in mind, some of these sellers might be selling and they might not know where they're going either. So if you have date flexibility, timing flexibility, I've seen offers where, you know, the the buyer that wins the offer was not necessarily the highest price, although price is usually a very key part of an offer. Uh, but maybe they have some flexibility and they've indicated that, hey, we can give you as much time as you want within reason. And you know what? Hey, if you sell or if you go out and find a place, we might give you three or four or five months. But if you go out and find a place in one or two months, just give us enough notice to either give notice to our tenant or whatever it might be, and we can move our dates up. In other words, here's an offer seller. Here's our price where we don't have a lot of conditions. Maybe it's just subject to an appraisal being approved rather, you know, within a few days. And we can talk about that uh, rather than subject to financing approval within the next 10 days. That, that doesn't seem as solid. So we've got a nice clean offer. We've done all our due diligence first. I think people should keep an inspection in there, but we can talk about that as well. We have date flexibility, so we can give you all the time that you want. And uh, you know, oftentimes that sort of a uh, that sort of an approach will help give confidence to a seller to accept an offer. So again, it's so much more than price. Price is always important, but in a multiple offer situation, a seller. Uh, is going to be looking at all the factors that go into an offer and what makes an offer good uh, or not. And, um, you know, the, the stronger you can be without just throwing a bunch of money on the table um, is definitely to your advantage as a buyer and a buyer's uh, uh, in a multiple offer. Mm -hmm. And then there's the whole thing of being a seller in this kind of a market and preparing for multiple offers. We'll, we'll talk about that next time uh, because I'm sure you have some great strategies. You've really outlined a lot of strategies for dealing with this market because it is red hot and it is so tricky. Uh, John Carlson has been our guest from 2% Realty. JohnnySmartPoint.com is the place to go online. JohnnySmartPoint.com. You can also give John a call at 604-612-008. Or write him an email, john at johnnysmartpoint.com, and he will help you navigate these waters. And uh, if you are looking to sell a property, now is obviously uh, a good time, and John is the guy to call because you would you would love, and like you're saying, even if they don't call you, you just want more stuff on the market because people need stuff to buy. 
Yeah, uh, you know, I would, my job would be a lot easier if there were more listings out there. And I think it's the same with any agent. Um, you get calls from people, hey, I'm looking for this product I want to buy. And, you know, hey, I could, I could work for them. But sometimes if there's not enough inventory, it, it makes it tough. And I think that will balance out a little bit. We're early in the year. It's still January for crying out loud. So people are getting their properties ready. Um, I, I suspect that the demand will stay strong throughout the spring, but hopefully the inventory also starts to blossom a little bit and, and things level out. But I see a seller's market for the foreseeable future. Right on. John Carlson, johnnysmartpoint.com. Thanks so much, John. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. See you again. Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong, CKNW. And when we come back, we're going to ask Andrew. Welcome back to Vancouver Consumer on CKNW. I'm Martin Strong. Time now for Ask Andrew. That's when we ask Andrew Ferreira, our executive producer, because he's on the button or on the on the pulse of uh, what's going on in the city. And uh, we were talking about uh, um, green vehicles and electric vehicles. And when you think about electric vehicles, buses and transit are, are a good way to start. And uh, Vancouver is kind of ahead of the curve on that. Yeah. So, I mean, we're ahead of the curve in that, you know, Vancouver sports one of the largest, you know, trolley bus fleets in North America. Mm -hmm. And of course, those are electric. They draw power from the overhead lines and they do the thing. And, you know, almost all of them, except for one, uh, the 19 uh, are in Vancouver proper. Yeah, and, uh, and we know this because we're always stuck behind a bus where the poor bus driver has to sort of... Uh, come out and, look, and manually maneuver the booms <laughs> back in like place. Looks like he's flying a kite. Yeah, exactly. Um, but TransLink is actually... Uh, they've actually kind of just put in the order, uh, if you will. Uh, the federal government is going to fund $16 million, and this is going to be the first time that TransLink is going to be converting uh, a conventional bus route entirely to electric. Um, and this is going to happen for the Route 100 uh, that runs from South Vancouver to New West and back from Marpole Loop uh, all the way up to 22nd Street Station. Um, and for a couple of years now, uh, they've been running trial uh, electric buses on the route. Um, and I, I've ridden one of the buses on it. It's creepy how silent it is. It, oh, is, really? it, is, it is strange because you get on one of those, you know, they're generally, you know, compressed natural gas or diesel buses and they're noisy and they're loud. And they've got that nice, comfortable rumble to them. Yeah. But the new electric buses are, are, are whisper silent. It is, it is uncanny. I could definitely get used to it. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, the 100 connects Marine Drive Station on the Canada Line all the way out to New Westminster. Uh, they're going to be ordering, I believe it's something like 15 buses on top of the, two, on top, I think the two or three they have already that run the route. Uh, there are two tra uh, charging stations, if you will, uh, at each end of the line, one in Marpole. Uh, and one at 22nd Street, and when they uh, when they when they're parked into charge, they kind of look like, like you know when like you see like those sporty Subarus with the with the racks on top where you can put a bike or some skis. Yeah, it looks like that, except what extends from the top of the bus is, is a pantograph. Uh, you probably see them on light rail lines where that's how like light rail trains connect to the overhead lines. However, with these new buses, they connect to a stationary charging platform uh, overhead. Uh, and if you go to, you know, if you just Google uh, Vancouver electric transit bus, uh, you'll be able to probably see a picture of them charging. It's, it's kind of cool. Looks yeah. kind of futuristic. Um, but yeah, this is going to be uh, TransLink's first 100% uh, electric battery uh, bus route. And this is, you know, the first step, if you will, um, 
on electrifying what Transync eventually hopes uh, to be the entire fleet. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they want to get their, uh, you know, the region's public transit emissions uh, down by 45% by 2030 and down by 80% by 2050. Um, and so this is, like I said, the first step to doing that. Um, you know, being able to provide reliable uh, green you know, mobility and transportation across the lower mainland uh, is going to be the only way really to, you know, meaningfully encourage people to get out of their cars if they can uh, and take public transit. So, I, you know, every dollar into this is expensive up front. But like with any electric vehicle, the costs over the life of the vehicle are substantially lower. Mm-hmm. Uh, couple that with the greenhouse gas emissions uh, dropping because you're using an electric bus. And this seems like a win-win to me. Yeah, no, I think it's, uh, you know, the government talks a big game about environmentalism, but this is an example of them putting their money where their mouth is and and showing us how it's done. I think it's a good idea. Uh, This is Vancouver Consumer. I'm Martin Strong. That was Andrew Ferreira. He's our executive producer. And when we come back, there's a new place to watch television. It's a new streaming service. If you watched everything on Netflix, if you've come to the end of Netflix, this is kind of interesting. It's called The Green Channel, and we'll talk to the folks behind that. Uh, TheGreenChannel.tv. That's when Vancouver Consumer continues right after this. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.